This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you? How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very you might not be glad that you did there was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more Welcome to Theory's Finest, the podcast for the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I'm doing great. I'm riding high off some TTS tournament play. Oh, man. Not that I'm doing great, but I'm having a great time, so that's what it's about. I'm glad you touched on that. One of our wonderful patrons, Patrick, organized a TTS league on the Fury's Finest patron Discord, and now it's just going to be a recurring thing, Chris. We're going to be playing games basically every month in this league going forward, ideally, so it's it's a very exciting time, and once again, one more thing on the patron Discord that is just thriving, and it's a wonderful thing, and you and I both are in the league and we're having fun. We're having a lot of fun. You're playing mutants? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, would expect nothing less. And I am playing Spider-Foes. We would expect nothing less. Now that all the Spider-Foes are actually out, and I have them in my hands, too, in person, Chris, and I even have them painted now, it's like I can actually like really dig back into the Spider-Foes like I did in the past. Yeah, I was, I was being, how should I say, not smart when I made my team. I got all excited about the shiny new new things And now half of my bag of 10 is models that are not out or won't be out for months. So I'll be ready. I'll be ready when when Gene and Magic and Colossus get here, man. But until then... Yeah, your Gene finally got here, but you're right. Oh, my Gene is here. You're right. We're very behind on releases here in the United States. It's a very sad place for us to be right now, but the rest of the world has the Mystic Wave. They have Dormammu. They have the Midnight Suns. And... You know, all that's legal on TTS for that very reason. And then for some reason, some of the mutant cards that we've seen both sides of are legal on TTS too. So yeah, we're just really behind on models here, Chris. And you just grabbed a whole bunch of them. You just couldn't wait. I know you couldn't wait on Magic. That was way too obvious. She's a fave, man. And I think she's a very, very interesting three that presents some interesting possibilities. But yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm excited. I've got some games in with Rogue. She's very powerful. Even as your first attempts playing her, right? I mean, she's just a good four threat. Oh, yeah. I did not use her well, but I, by the end of the game, I saw how I should be using her in the future. Sometimes you got to just get in there, make your mistakes, 
and learn you know based on that game and that's that's what i did and uh you know i'm sure i'll just refine a, a little bit more in my next loss i mean this is the way we learn chris i've been slamming spider foes games just like i was slamming sam games i've just been playing so much you know and what's exciting i've got i've got a lot of crossover of things like lizard you know lizards oh yeah almost all my lists right now. And I've just got so many reps with Lizard. But my latest project has been getting as many reps as possible with Mysterio, you know, because he is a very complicated and high skill three threat, which is a weird thing to say, because most of the three threats are pretty solid workhorses, but Mysterio is kind of a weird one. And you've got to work for it. But when you work for it, you get a lot out of it. So that's kind of been my project lately. And it's funny, we're talking about the spider foes and all this stuff, because today we're having a special Halloween horror centric fall episode about some of the scarier, spookier things in Marvel. You know, and I think the spider foes fit in that at least a lot of them do, which is a very exciting thing. And you know, it's the season. Carnage is 100% one of the most (laughs) <laughs> you know, B horror movie hack yes. and slash characters Marvel's ever made. And he's the Jason Voorhees of mm-hmm. the Marvel universe. No, he absolutely is. And, you know, we can't discredit even guys like the lizard. Like, I mean, we have some straight. He's a monster. Monsters. Yeah. And that's monster movies are one of my favorite parts of horror, Chris, in this season. And, you know, we've got a lot of good ones in Marvel, some that aren't even in the game yet, but maybe they're coming one day. I don't know. Time will tell. And the specific lens we're going to kind of focus the episode through, for the most part, is going to be through the Midnight Suns. So we're going to talk about the Midnight Suns, what they represent, how they got together, you know, kind of who's in it. And then we'll talk a little bit about about the actual affiliation and some tactics for the affiliation. But first, we have to thank some folks. Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games, Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Of course, our patrons support Fury's Finest at Patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy this show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. And of course, Chris, when you join the Patreon, you get access to the patron discord. And then now, of course, that leads you to access to the patron TTS league, which is a very exciting, relaxed, fun place. Oh, it's very relaxed because I'm getting waxed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and of course, Chris, we did talk about last episode in our Shang-Chi episode. We talked about some changes we're making to the Patreon going forward. So if you didn't check that episode out, I know some of you don't listen to our MCU episode, so I am bringing it up here. We're going to bring more content to the Patreon in the future. We've got some goals on the Patreon. When we hit these goals, like when we get a certain number of patrons, we're going to start making a second feed of the podcast where Chris and I just have unedited discussions about all things Marvel, Star Wars, nerd things, the list goes on. We're just going to talk, hang out. We're also going to do some list building, some film commentaries like we've done in the past, and much, much more. So if any of that interests you, help us reach that goal on the Patreon. And you know, we're, we're about to drop one soon just for the patrons who are here, even though we haven't hit the goal yet, Chris, just to kind of give a taste of what it's going to be like with these commentaries, with these hangouts. And like I said in the Shang-Chi episode, we're just going to start letting tape roll more often, really. It's a big part of it. Because you and I talk before before and after every episode, and we're never rolling tape. Sometimes it's really frustrating because there are some really good conversations there. Every once in a while, a smart thing comes out of my mouth. It's true. 
but not often. And, but one of the smarter things I'm going to say today, this week probably, is my very special and very sincere thank you to Sean S., our patron of the week. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Of course, Chris, we cannot forget to thank the Avenger producers. That's Zach Attack, Rusty, Keith, and Dylan. Thanks, Avengers. Thanks, fellas. All right, Chris, let's get into Midnight Suns lore. So, like Jesse said earlier, this is going to be more of a horror-themed-centric episode. So, it's not going to be all Midnight Suns, but we are going to just start here talking about them. The Midnight Suns first appeared in August of 1992. And for all my comic book fans that listen to the show, you know what 92 meant. This was the beginning of Image. Oh, this was Superman dying. So many things happened in 1992 that led to the insanity of the 90s and, you know, Spawn and all these things. So it makes sense here that Marvel put together a team to kind of explore the grittier, darker side of the magic verse. Of course, we've had Excalibur and they had Excalibur going. They're kind of mm. on the lighter side of, of magic, especially at the time. And the Midnight Suns were put together, kind of invisible handed together by Doctor Strange. They're not a, a formal team. It's more of an informal team, much like the Defenders, which they have some member overlap. So that makes sense. They get together when needed and not always by the same person. And in some of the more recent comics, it's been alluded to that the Midnight Suns might be more than just this group that was put together one time by Doctor Strange, one time by Wong. I think Morbius put together a team once. Right. It could be an order that goes back millennia. Is It seemed to be what Marvel is establishing now. So the list of Marvel characters that are in the Midnight Suns, pretty lengthy, but I'm going to touch on some here that mean something to us, either characters that I believe will be in the game soon or characters that are in the game. Hellstrom, Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider, mm. Morbius, Werewolf by Night, of course, Johnny Blaze, my guy, of course, Doctor Strange, Wong, both in the Midnight Suns. Black Cat has been in the Midnight Suns. Blade, of course, Iron Fist, Elsa Bloodstone, Moon Knight, Punisher, Man-Thing, and to round out the list, an extremely powerful MCP character, Dr. <laughs> Voodoo. So glad you mentioned Man-Thing. He's always been a favorite design of mine. He is very cool. There's some newer, some more recent comics out with kind of reviving the Man-Thing, and they're, they're very good. You should check them out. I will. So the first appearance of the team is in Ghost Rider number 28. And to really kind of frame how this even happened, the reason Ghost Rider had gotten this running book was because his his trademark was coming up. So they needed to put out a book to keep the trademark at Marvel. So they started the Ghost Rider book back up, you know, late late 80s, early 90s. And so what happens here is, of course, it's the late 80s, early 90s. So Ghost Rider is a hit. So now we have to get him in a team. And it just so happens we have a bunch of other comic book characters that are a hit at the in this climate, in this vampire diaries climate. Mm -hmm. 
And so we get the Midnight Suns, and they're brought together to battle their first, their first big villain is Lilith. This team, this first initial Midnight Suns team is going to be Blade, Frank Drake, Hannibal King, Morbius, Danny Ketch, and Johnny Blaze, Ghost Riders. <laughs> Plural. <laughs> Plural. Yep, exactly. And uh, Michael uh, Baldolino, who is Vengeance. And then add some others that don't really matter. But this is going to be their first time together. It's a very cool story arc that that is a little bit creepy. It's as creepy and weird as Marvel gets or got at that time. It is in my recommended comics for the week. So we'll touch on it again at the end of the segment. So, of course, the team has gotten together for a few different iterations since then. The second big one was when Blade turned into Switchblade by reading the wrong page from the Darkhold. And the Midnight Suns had to be assembled, and then they were all killed by Switchblade, and then revived by a very, very well-timed and unlikely counterspell. So... That was a pretty big one. Switchblade was a pretty nasty piece of work. The Siege of Darkness was a pretty long one uh, involving Lilith and Zarathos. Morbius put together a team during the Marvel Zombies event. And then, of course, Wong put together a team during Damnation. Put together the team to save Doctor Strange from a prison of his own making. And and. Excellent little comic event that I also recommend at the end of the segment. So, Jesse, you mentioned that you loved Man-Thing. I love him. Every time I see him, I just, I think right. you know why, visually, why I resonate well, with him. Well, of course, you know, he's the Marvel Swamp Thing, but... That's right. What other avenues of of Marvel horror you know, are you into? Man, that's a great question, Chris. I've been wanting to get more into the Midnight Suns, and this is definitely getting me there because I've always really enjoyed Morbius, the living vampire, aka Dr. Michael Morbius, mm-hmm. PhD. Mm-hmm. And that's been a character that's been interesting to me because obviously he's crossed paths a lot with Venom and, and Spider-Man. That's kind of what's been interesting to me, Chris. A lot of these characters have crossed over into the wheelhouse I'm most familiar with, which is Spider-Man and spider Spider-Verse, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of an interesting thing. These monster characters and some of these darker horror characters pop up in Peter's universe in particular juxtaposition. That's not crazy. Yeah. But I mean, you've got the goblins in that universe. You've got carnage. You've got venom in that universe. We've got clones and not to mention spiders are a key theme in, you know, spooky. I don't want to say horror, but they're very spooky. So it it makes perfect sense to me that, that Spider-Man of, all of the very large, famous pop culture icon type pulp characters, you know, it would make perfect sense that he's kind of has a a darker side in Marvel to explore. Yeah. And I think that's pretty interesting that like Spider-Man's brought a lot of these more niche horror things into the greater Marvel narrative and vision, you know, because Spider-Man is so big. Another, I think, notable mention, Chris, is the Inheritors. Familiar with the Inheritors from the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah, of course. And, you know, I want to spoil too much for anyone who hasn't read the Spider-Verse because it is a really incredible idea. The Inheritors are a clan of 
totemic hunters who feed on the life force of totems. Basically energy vampires that multi-dimensional energy vampires. Yeah. Yes. And then they basically track down avatars and totems of animals and gods and things like that through multi-dimensional travel. And yeah, they dress like our favorite classic looking vampires in the Victorian era type clothes and stuff, of course, and they have pale complexions and light hair sometimes. But what's interesting is like, once again, that's a spider verse thing. You know what I mean? And they are hunting spider people in multiple universes, killing them, mounting their heads on the wall, you know, taking their life force. It's some good horror stuff. It's really quality part of Marvel that like maybe goes under the radar for some people, you know, at least the general public. And it's just a cool concept to kind of start off the whole spider multiverse stuff. And maybe we'll see some of this in the future in the MCU. I have no idea. Well, I mean, we know that there's a Blade movie coming. Of course. Blade and Spider-Man have had had tie-ins. We know that Moon Knight's coming. We know that Daredevil's coming. You know, it's pretty obvious that, you know, to kind of take this into a, an MCU lens now, that we're kind of moving towards a Midnight Suns, you know, phase or whatever. I'm into it, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be great. I can't wait to see them do a Ghost Rider properly. It's true. But when it really comes down to it, it's also going to be great because I think the one thing that DC does better is dark. You nailed it. <laughs> and it's time It's time to see if the MCU can get dark and gritty and not as quippy, maybe a little more dark humor. Slow the quips down, yeah. Yeah, it's just going to be interesting for me to see. And what's the first movie in this this kind of slate? Is it is Blade or are we going to see the Moon Knight series first? We're going to see Moon Knight before Blade. So that might kind of introduce us to this world building. That's going to be our first foray, unless they hint at it in the next Strange movie. Multiverse of Madness, probably. Strange does more than just the dark side. Doctor Strange is one of those bigger <laughs> characters that, like Spider-Man, the dark side is 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 just a... a a side whereas with blade it's where he lives with moon knight that's where he lives elsa bloodstone i mean for goodness sake she's she's a born monster hunter she's a superstar and i mm. would venture to guess that we will see her in mcp soon bold claims also chris you mentioned dc so i do have to have a big shout out to one of my favorite comic book companies which is vertigo which unironically launched early 1993. So right in this sort of dark gothic feel mm -hmm. for comics we had, Vertigo comes out too. And, you know, DC already had a lot of these dark storylines and stuff, but then they kind of had Vertigo as a secondary company within the company to tackle stories, you know, that are a little bit darker, a little bit more uh, gothic and serious and all these things. And, you know, it's how I got my favorite comic, which is the Sandman. So I'm, you know, very happy about that. Well, maybe we'll have to do a a uh, patrons episode when the Sandman series begins. That's right, because they're churning out Sandman content left and right now. I'm, it's insane. I mean, Audible is now doing a full audiobook format of it, and then of course, as Chris mentioned, the series will be here some point soon, which is a crazy thing. Well, I love Neil. I love him. Yeah, Neil's work doesn't always translate to film properly. It's hard to capture his tone. It's his voice. He has, he has a very unique. Voice. I agree. Yeah. And it's hard to get on film, and I hope it's going to happen with this series. Well, and apparently the Audible series is incredible, and I, my wife got the first part of it, so I'm going to check it out very soon. But 
you know, James McAvoy is Morpheus, like James McAvoy being the main voice you hear in a lot of the Sandman story. So that's pretty interesting because I'm a big McAvoy fan. But yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see how all that pans out. This is like the horror month, Chris. This is the horror episode. You know, there's so much to talk about just in Marvel alone. It's kind of crazy because we talked about Spider-Man doing the creature features and stuff like that. That jumped around in other parts of Marvel too. But something I've always liked about the Midnight Suns, and you talked about this with the Defenders as well, when we touched on this with Strange, but they are a team, but they're not a team. As you said one time off mic, and I'm going to quote you the best I can, is you said the Defenders and the Midnight Suns are like the Avengers, but they don't ever fully assemble as a team necessarily. It's more like there's one character by themselves in trouble, and they happen to call on one or two other characters to kind of help them out. And it, it's just this, it's this weird mix of like, they are a full-fledged team, but they don't quite assemble all the way like we see some of the more standard Marvel teams. They're more little groups within the team. It's definitely different team philosophies mm-hmm. the defenders and the midnight suns are full of a bunch of loner characters anti-heroes too exactly and they come together when they have to when <laughs> the universe dictates that they come together they do there's something interesting there from a storytelling perspective just being able to get all of those kind of anti-social personalities forced into the same arena and on the same campaign and on the same story arc there's just a lot of fun you can have there both when they're getting used to things and you know after they've developed a bond and a rapport there's just there's something special about that but there's also something special about you know the justice league and the avengers where they've got headquarters and someone's always on duty and you know things like that there's there's Something different about that, but there's, I don't know, maybe it's just Ghost Rider and Blade are really cool. <laughs> That's a big part of it. It's a huge part of it. Well, yeah, I mean, those two characters, and then, as you said, the list goes on, like Doctor Strange when he's on his darker stints, and then Black Cat, Moon Knight, like Morbius, the list continues of very striking characters just visually, and then you get into learning about the characters in the lore, And you kind of really fall in love with this team and how unique they are. And a character I'm really looking forward to falling in love with, Chris, on our show, which will be some time till we do this, but we are going to do a Dr. Voodoo episode. And I want to learn all about Dr. Voodoo because I know very little and I'm very intrigued. You and me both, honestly. I basically just know his origin story vaguely. That's it. And I've seen him pop up in some of these crossovers. Man, he's good on the table. (laughs) Yeah, he is. Those four threats are, man, they just keep turning out great four threats. Oh, I know. I, I think I need to just quit bringing fives at all. Just more force. I'm serious. I, I'm not getting my worth with any of my fives anymore. But that's a discussion for a different time. It's true. Jesse, let's go ahead and round out this discussion with a couple of things. Okay. I want to put I want to put a cap on the MCU discussion. Mm-hmm. Do you have any predictions for where we're going MCU-wise? Are, are we going to see the Midnight Suns on screen altogether? Ooh. Do you think that's a part of the plan here? I think it is, but I think that's way out, you know, because I think this sort of cosmic Kang multiversal thing is going to be the focus for quite some time. So maybe the Midnight Suns, like maybe they fully pivot. You just know, think about this, Chris, like, you know, you know how much money like Ghost Rider makes? Like he's just one of those characters. He's like Venom in that way. There's just something about the character 
just the aesthetic alone, people will like want to check it out, you know? 100%. And it's, it's crazy because it's a completely different group of people mm-hmm. from your normal comic book fans. Well, and the MCU in general, let's be real. Yes. I think that was my, that might be what I was looking for. This is a pretty candid conversation. So you're gonna get the DC fans is what you're saying. (laughs) Oh, whatever, dude. Lobo's awesome. DC's awesome. I'm a huge DC fan. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think they could go interesting ways with this, Chris. Like if they go on this darker path and especially if they're mainly on television shows for a while, which seems like they will be, they could pull in a lot of those fans that have kind of wrote off the MCU because it is so quippy and fun at times. I'm going to disagree with you. I think the Midnight Suns are coming sooner rather than later. I think they are a subplot in the whole Kang arc. I think we're going to be dealing with another big threat on the periphery. Or perhaps Doctor Strange is juggling, is the intersection point, and he's juggling two different worlds, two different teams. I can see that. But that's that's kind of my prediction. And now I want to move on to our comic book predictions. Jesse, I know you have one this week, which is not normal, but I have quite a few this week because we're doing, you know, kind of a horror thing here. So if you have got Marvel Unlimited... Rise of the Midnight Suns should work in it, but if you need a listing of the event, it is Ghost Rider, I think it's volume two, number 28, Ghost Rider and Blaze, Spirits of Vengeance, number one, Morbius, the Living Vampire, number one, Mm. Night Stalkers, number one, Ghost Rider, number 31. That is the entirety of the Rise of the Midnight Suns story arc. Also, Damnation which is quite a bit longer. Look it up on comicbookherald.com for the patrons. I have a link in the show notes. I also recommend Immortal Hulk Volume 1. This is the most recent run of Hulk, his own solo title, and it is straight up a horror comic from the beginning to the end, it is very good, very fun. There are some controversies about the artist. The artist is not a good person that came to light after contracts had been signed and things. So, you know, go into it knowing that, but it is an excellently written, and honestly, he's a talented artist, even though he's a bad person. And my last, last recommendation for this week is is the Frankencastle run of The Punisher. We talked about it mm-hmm. in our Punisher episode, but it is Punisher Volume 8, Issues 13 through 21. I knew it was coming, and I didn't want to take that one from you, Chris, because that's that's too good of no, a sir. one. So I have two recommendations this week. and Oh, my. The first one is very simple, and it's, it's this is purely for fun. And Chris's examples are actually a lot more meaty, but... Of course, I'm referencing the 2005 to 2006 series by Robert Kirkman, Marvel Zombies. That, of course, is art by Sean Phillips and Arthur Sudom. Arthur Sudom notably being these covers, Chris. These covers were so iconic because a lot of them were first appearance covers in the zombie right. format. You know, right. case in point, the Spider-Man original cover with the Vulture. That's in a zombie format, for instance. But this, this series is really fun. It's a uh, completely for fun series. It's really fun that they drew from this recently in What If. They absolutely did. It's fun, man. It, it's it's really neat to see 
a post-apocalyptic world where a lot of the superheroes and supervillains are all that's left because the zombie virus has happened and how they act or don't act when they have turned to zombies, for instance. And uh, it's a really fun series. My big recommendation today is it's too big to recommend in a correct order. It's huge. There's actually lists to get you started on this, but I'm going to give you just the the story and then you can look up reading orders, which we can also link in the show notes. But that, of course, is The King in Black. There's so many things in The King in Black, but obviously, if you don't want to read any of the prequel stuff, just jump right in. King in Black, number one, written by Donny Cates. You can start there and you can kind of just read those main storylines. But, you know, notable, there was some pretty cool preludes in Venom and in Symbiote Suits Spider-Man that were called like Roads to the King in Black and things like that. So Symbiote Spider-Man, parentheses, King in Black, that's a good series to read before. But I mean, there's just so many now. I mean, like they even did a Namor prelude series. Oh, there's a ton. King in Black just... It's the new thing. Expanded. And oh, we got yeah, more Jessica Parker stories now than we've ever had. Like we've got Spider-Woman stories involved in this, Chris. It's it's a good time, man. We got Thunderbolt stuff, King and Black. It's it's crazy though. <laughs> it's kind of out of control. I haven't read any of it yet. It's coming up soon. And then of course there's cool things like everyone's getting pulled into this whole story, right? But basically, if you look up King and Black reading guides online, you can find it. But obviously, if you just want to read the main story, you can just read the main King and Black series first. Comic Book Herald is always a good place to find your reading orders. Absolutely. That's my recommendation for the week. It's, it is the new main event in Marvel, Chris. So it's kind of crazy that we could talk about it this week, but it's, it, there's not a more appropriate time. And I guess the quick synopsis is, without giving anything away, the god of the symbiotes, Null is his name, is kind of the next major threat in the Marvel Universe, like a Thanos. And that's what this entire series revolves around, the buildup of that, and then the reveal of that, and, and the fallout of that. It's supposed to be really good. <laughs> and the art is incredible because, I mean, one really cool thing about the symbiotes as the years have gone on, it is some of the more complex art at times because to kind of create that feel of the symbiote moving without it actually moving on the page is always something I find pretty cool between all the different artists. And obviously, it's something a lot of artists explore in this series. And then without giving too many spoilers away, you got a lot of superheroes in this series who get symbiotes. And how does that change their personalities and their superpowers? That's cool. It is a Marvel 616 spanning event. It's massive. Very big, but right in line with our Halloween discussion today, because Null is a real bad guy and he's real scary. Yes. He might be one of the most horror looking villains that's ever been designed in Marvel. I mean, they they cranked it up big time, Chris. They they pulled from a lot of places, though. It's pretty obvious. Mephisto's my favorite. Oh, Mephisto's good. I'm not saying favorites here. I'm just saying... Well, if you like one, that means you hate the other. <laughs> Duh. That's how the world works today. But yeah, he's he's up there at the top with all the great Marvel horror villains, just purely in design. I encourage you to look it up. But Chris, we've got to talk about the Midnight Suns briefly in strategy today because they're still new to us and <laughs> we only have them on TTS. Yes. So we're not going to give any sort of crazy insight, but we are going to give a quick rundown of them. So let's get over to strategy. So, Chris, starting with the Midnight Suns, this is a little bit unusual for us because we're not doing a character. We're going to talk about who's currently in the affiliation list. And unfortunately, I feel like an affiliation list update is right around the corner. So hopefully this isn't terribly outdated. But the Midnight Suns affiliation list is Blade, of course, is the leader. Then we have Black Cat, Doctor Strange, Doctor Voodoo, Ghost Rider, and Moon Knight. And keep in mind, Chris, 
something I'm really loving going forward in MCP is the way they leave things open-ended. And what I mean by that is the way this could work in the future is if we got another Ghost Rider, potentially, this would leave this open for that. So it's just cool. But Blade is the leader. And I feel like we gave our initial impressions of that right when that news segment happened on the show, because those were our first impressions. But now that the dust has settled and everything, how do you just feel about Blade, our fourth threat Blade in the game, being the leader? How cool is that? I'm very excited for Blade. I'm excited for the movie. I'm excited to rewatch the old movies. I'm excited for new comics. I'm excited for him on the tabletop. (laughs) So I'm really into the Midnight Suns because of that. This list, it is so top heavy. Mm. You're going to struggle. <laughs> like, until they expand this, you're going to struggle to hit affiliation, I feel like. There's some expensive models here. I will say, and this is with my current theory crafting and just little bit of work I've done for the Midnight Sun so far, I think you take Blade, Dr. Voodoo, and Moon Knight every game. I was going to say, is it a, is it a, you either pick one doctor or the other? Ooh, good question. Situation. No, I think you can take both at higher threats, but obviously Blade and Dr. Voodoo are four threats. So that we're at, we're at eight and then you add Moon Knight, we're at 11. So that's a good base. And then even if you add two models to that, you've still got your three affiliated and you're fine. But something we're going to touch on later, Chris, when we get to the tactics card, they are one of those factions, kind of like the mutants, where it's like the more mono you go, the more you're rewarded. And I'll get to that in a bit with their tactics cards. But I think you can splash you in and you want, but I think that's a really good core because Dr. Voodoo's insane. Blade, you have to have your leader and you've got to have it for that bump of the night. And then Moon Knight's just the all-arounder three. Black Hat's the more specialist three. But I think you take Black Hat a lot too. But Chris, let's just move on to the, into Bump of the Night and why I think characters that aren't even on this list are good in this team. So I'm going to read it again and refresh our memories on Blade's leadership. Of course, we will talk about this in greater detail in our Blade episode. But since today we're only talking about the Midnight Suns, we've got to know their leadership. Bump in the Night, Affiliation Midnight Suns. Once per turn, at any time during an allied character's activation, it may spend one power. If it does, place that character within range one of its current location. Now, this is just awesome because it's free positioning. But obviously, the first thought when you see this, other than it being amazing positioning, which is all MCP is about, is medium bases and large bases get more out of this. Dr. Voodoo, medium base, gets more out of this. Ghost Rider and Hulk? get a lot out of this. Hulkbuster? Hulkbuster would get a lot out of this, Chris. Uh, I think we're just going to see Hulkbuster everywhere for a long time. I know. And that's okay. I know. Get ready for it's it. It's just a great model that fits anywhere. It's crazy to say, but like, you know, this is what we do on Furious Finest. We don't go always fully competitive. We go fun at home. I mean, even models that have a hard time making their way across the board like a Magneto benefit from this, right? This is one of those things like, this is why every time someone plays Magneto, and at least my experience every time I play Magneto, I always take climbing gear because if there's ever a turn mid or late game where I have to like move Magneto, then attack instead of double attacking, well, he's a sixth threat model. I'm hurting from that. If I can place him and then double attack and then throw stuff, I mean, obviously I'm getting a lot more value. Same with Scarlet Witch. So Scarlet Witch, really good in this. Gene, really good in this team for this reason, because any of these high threat models that you want to maximize their actions, Bump in the Night helps with that. But you can scale it all the way back, Chris, like to three threats and things like that. Bump in the Night is just good for positioning and getting objectives without 
taking actions. Absolutely. So it's not even just so much a value on your high threat models. It's a value in playing the game, specifically extracts and even secures. So it's like if Black Cat's not that far away from an extract, if you can just place her and you can get one, she could potentially just long move twice now away and get you those points for that round. You feel confident in that. So this is probably one of the hardest affiliations in the game to quantify probably after convocation. And we talked about them recently. We had a full episode devoted to them, how complicated the wizards are, but it's so complicated because you have to spend power to do this. So there is a drawback. It's not once per round or something like storms hop for free. So you will power starve yourself a bit, but good thing you do. Cause it's way too powerful if you didn't have to. Oh yeah. And also Chris ghost rider, man, he's just, it's his stock goes up in this team so much. 100% that little bit of movement for him on that huge base is nuts. And Ghost Rider's usually not power starved either. He's usually doing pretty good on that. It's crazy now, Chris, you can place him and just line up the perfect beam now. Yep. Without taking a move action. That's really nice. And what's cool about Ghost Rider is, of course, you could hell on wheels out of there later. So there's a lot of versatility here. Or you could hell on wheels and then place, right? So notice the craziness of this as it says, anytime during their turn. So this is why I'm working on a Midnight Suns Web Warrior roster, because I think just the combination of interchangeability of some Midnight Suns giving the Web Warriors some attrition, which they don't have, and, and then the Web Warriors giving the Midnight Suns even more movement and more control and shenanigans. I think it's a really cool bag there. And I think the exact same thing with Midnight Suns and Defenders, which we're going to work on for you. And this is content we're going to do on one of these patron episodes, because I think we just got one of the newest strong factions in the game, Chris, and best splash factions. Interesting. Because, follow me here, Dr. Voodoo seems like he's good everywhere. Yeah. But he's also an affiliated Midnight Sun and Avenger. So it's like, you start seeing pieces there. It's like, oh, okay, I could like have an Avengers roster mainly, but I could have like Moon Knight, Blade, and Dr. Voodoo. And then those games that come up, I can just pivot to Midnight Suns, for instance, and probably be the perfect time to pivot, you know? And who knows? No one's got enough reps with them so far, but like, what's it like placing some of the Avengers on the board, you know? Like with the Midnight Suns leadership, like what's it like if Thor can place himself range one and things like that. Mm. I mean, just crazy cool things. They're one of those factions we're going to have to crack and it's going to take a lot of time. And I think there's a reason, Chris, you mentioned they do have a smaller roster right now. It's because they are new, but I think the biggest reason they have a smaller roster is because I think their roster gets like Cabal or Avengers big. They're just too powerful. Honestly, be able to place and... Oh, yeah. It's never going to be a massive roster. No. And a lot of the characters that are on the actual, you know, Marvel approved official list of Midnight Suns are just characters that are probably not ever coming to MCP. Never say never, but you're right. Never say never, but a a good deal of them. I'm still sad Frank Castle's not affiliated with this team, but I stand by AMG and their commitment to he's affiliated with no one. So in the the scheme of the game rules. Yeah, it it makes perfect sense, especially the character they made. that That was first appearance Frank Castle. Yes, correct. So this is a really strong team, Chris. And we're going to get more into this team, their synergies, their play styles and stuff in these episodes. Because, you know, I read through this list, Chris, and the only characters we've done on this list are Doctor Strange and Ghost Rider. That's it. Right. We've got a lot of cool characters coming up. But we've got to talk about their tactics cards, and they have three. So we're going to talk about those real quick and round out our Midnight Sun discussion here. The first card is Banishment. It's Midnight Sun's Reactive. After an attack made by an allied Midnight Suns character is resolved, so keep in mind, 
like I said earlier with the mono affiliation thing, it has to be a Midnight Suns person. It can't just be someone on your team. If the attack roll contained crit, wild, and hit, the allied character may spend two power to play this card. The target character and enemy characters within range two of it all gain the stun condition. So you need three results in your dice pool, but there's some big dice pools in this team, Chris. Ghost Rider, Doctor Strange. Dr. Voodoo. Blade, when he's doing his Night of the Damp here. That's a very powerful mid to late game card. The more MCP you play, you learn that stun is one of the best conditions in the entire game. It's just like you not be able to build power off your strikes. You not be able to build power off of enemies damaging you. It really sets you back in the game. And if you can line up a shot with this and you hit like a whole ball mm-hmm. of enemy people, that's scary. That's really scary. And this obviously is a great card on something like Demons Downtown. Everybody's clumped yep. up. It's kind of scary, actually. I, I don't want to see this card if we're playing Demons Downtown. All right, Jesse. Our next card is Bats the Ghost Hound. And of course, this is Doctor Strange's Ghost Hound in the Jason Aaron Doctor Strange run. Love it. It is a Midnight Suns card it is reactive when an allied midnight suns character is modifying its attack or defense dice it may spend two power to play this card change one of the allied characters attack or defense dice to any result this effect may change skull results this is a get out of jail free card it does cost two but it's like no matter what's happening in the game you can flip a die in an attack or defense pool to something that you need, which is very important with some of these big trigger characters, Chris, like Dr. Strange and Dr. Voodoo. I could have used that card in my last game. You really could have. It came down to that. Big time. And closing out our Midnight Suns tactics cards, we have Siege of Darkness, Midnight Suns active. Any number of allied Midnight Sun characters may spend two power each to play this card. Each character that spent power may immediately perform an attack with a power cost of zero. This is Wakanda Forever for the Midnight Suns. Yep. So there you go. We all know how good that card can be. Oh, you mean one of the best cards in the game. Exactly. (laughs) What's crazy, Chris, is Wakanda Forever only costs one per character. I just say that out loud now and after reading this card. But it's good balance because obviously all of the Midnight Suns hit harder than the Wakandans, except Killmonger, of course. So it's a balance there, even though I think Wakanda Forever is still probably too good. But this can flip a board state. I mean, Dr. Voodoo, Blade, Ghost Rider, Moon Knight, Dr. Strange, they're all just performing attacks. You're going to do this, Chris. Anything that gives you out of activation attacks or extra attacks in the game are always great cards. This is why I'm playing Carnage Rules in all my Carnage games right now, because it's a free pull and attack for Carnage on his turn. It's like giving you one more whole action that never existed in the game. You know, this is like multiple actions that never existed in the game. This is a turn two, turn three thing, mm-hmm. turn four, honestly, if you really want to flip things, but can you imagine just like turn two or three and just how much power you build off of this too? They're all striking. I'm just thinking turn two to melt whatever tank <laughs> your opponent throws up, you know, Kingpin, Luke Cage, Croc, just melt them. That's true. You know, second round, uh, first activation. Let's also not forget, Chris, that Dr. Voodoo's strike is a range three, strength of five, mystic attack with wild trigger sap their power. So, I mean, that that hurts. But more importantly, he's also gaining power from damage dealt and he's also sapping their power and gaining power. So it's also just a great way to get Dr. Voodoo 
out of activation power, or like at the start of his activation, you say, okay, we're doing Siege of Darkness. Everyone attacks, Dr. Vito attacks, he gets some power, and now I can do everything on his card with my two actions. A lot of cool things there. Very big brain if you want it to be. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, and I haven't mentioned it yet, Chris. We didn't mention it earlier when we talked about the affiliation list, but Wong is also a Midnight Suns. As of recently, AMG updated the list. Well, yeah, and that makes perfect sense because he did put together the third the third major iteration of the team together himself so and there's their two threat, great right there's their two threat model exactly and man a nice one to have yeah sit on that back point give his team power and heal him up and you know do wong things but notice chris there's a lot of crossover here with the defenders and i think this is pretty cool so i think it's pretty easy to make a midnight suns defender roster and kind of have a lot of fun with it and pivot when you need to pivot and things like that but they're a team to watch. They're a team to be afraid of because <laughs> they're just good right <laughs> out the gate. I mean, you said the words big brain. I mean, it is a very high skill faction, but at the same time, even in the hands of a new player, Chris, like they can wrap their head around the concept of I get a free extra move with all my characters if I can pay for it. That's huge in this game. That's huge. I mean, sometimes that's life or death in this game. Sometimes that's like getting to an objective when you couldn't normally or also yep getting behind a building when you could normally to keep that character alive there's a lot of things or just out of range yeah chris the midnight suns just because of this bump in the night they open up things even like turn zero where it's like they can bump in the night and then move and then reach objectives that they wouldn't have been able to reach without two moves that's a crazy thing so normally they'd have to double move to get to an objective and then pick it up right if they have the power either from advanced r&d or some other means through wong or something they could bump in the night one, and then they could move medium and then get there. I mean, this, this is game-changing stuff. So they are a faction to respect, to admire, and to enjoy, I hope. And, you know, what a roster of characters. It's no secret to you, the listener, that Chris and I have an affinity for some of the darker characters in Marvel and some of the gothic elements of these stories. And I just think this is such a cool team, Chris. And it's one of those teams, like, you can lean into the anti-hero feel, too. I mean, you can, like, play this affiliation with the models we see here on this list, but then you can also bring in some more darker anti-hero type characters if you want. Oh like yeah. The Frank Castles, oh, like yeah. the Matt Murdocks, like the Eddie Brocks, whatever you want, but you can just kind of really lead into the theme. And what's cool about them is they're a hodgepodge team, but they're a hodgepodge team of characters that, you know, all have similarities and they all have differences, you know, and it's kind of, it fits the MCP feel so well because a lot of MCP is splashing models in teams in unique ways. And I think it works kind of better in the Midnight Suns, Chris, in some ways, because they're kind of open to it. Well, and I mean, Blade's there, so we have to explore this Bleed team, too. There's a lot of characters that give out Bleed, and Blade loves it. So we'll be working on that, too. It might not work, but I don't care. It's worth a try. I mean, there are a lot of characters, though, Chris, that give auto Bleed, so I think that's a huge note. You know, for instance, I just mentioned them, like, Venom and Carnage, they just auto, they give auto bleed after yep. their attacks are resolved, even if they didn't deal damage. So there's a lot of cool things going on with this team. And like you said, synergy with Blade. But w- oh, yeah. what's weird about this team, Chris, is like, since a lot of them are loner characters, all the characters play individualistically, but then they play together well if you know exactly how to play all the characters in this affiliation. That's the true challenge, I feel like. It's a tough one, too. Yeah, it's just, such a marvel of game design uh, sometimes <laughs> the way the lore and characters mash up with the way they play on the table it's pretty amazing every once in a while 
Yep. Hats off to AMG like always, but yep. I'm looking forward to seeing this team grow, Chris. But until then, I'm just looking forward to diving into this roster we have right now. Ghost Rider's on here. He's one of you and I's favorite characters to get on the table. Oh yeah. And Moon Knight is a favorite of mine, just period. Correct. I've made it very clear in the Black Cat that I think she's a very strong character. Well, as I mentioned, I'm working on my Midnight Suns and Web Warriors roster, and you just mentioned the two of them. Black Cat and Moon Knight are also Web Warriors. So there's crossover there, too. There's a lot of interesting things going on with this team. We've got splashes in Web Warriors. we got splashes in Defenders. We've even got a couple of Avengers in here randomly because Blade and Dr. Voodoo yep. are Avengers, which is just amazing, you know, like in the game. So... We'll get more into this team in the future, but we thought this would be a really fun horror episode to do. Kind of talk about the horror parts of Marvel we we really love and like to explore. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. Email us at furiesfinest at gmail.com and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice or even more so Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And please, please, like Jesse said, help spread the word. It honestly does help a lot. A lot. Well, and the show's growing a lot, Chris. The game's growing a lot. This is the time. It's actually really helping and it's really exciting. So thank you guys for that. Thank you very much. Now is the time. Of course, you can find Chris and I on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and the Marvel Crisis Protocol Facebook group at Jesse Aiken. That's E-A-K-I-N. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T, where I think by the time this comes out, the Thunder season will have started, and I hope we're losing. You hope. Well, yeah, we need we need that number one pick. Last good pick. This is the last year of losing, and then we start winning. <laughs> I'm just sitting here like... <laughs> sports usually elude me, so this is... Sports ball. Sorry. Sports ball Sorry logic to all the, just is yeah, way over yeah. my head, you know? So, but it's all good. I am proud of our team. They are our team, so... Hey, they're a great group of young guys. <laughs> It's so true. That is it for this week on the Midnight Suns. We will return in the future, Chris. I'm I'm really hoping that AMG surprises us in the future where you and I do have to sit down and even return potentially to things like Ghost Rider or Doctor Strange and stuff, if it makes sense in the context of this show of new character content or, of course, strategy content, which we will do with Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme. So stay tuned for that. Even though we already, we've already done Doctor Strange's lore, we will do just a discussion on the Sorcerer Supreme. But I don't know, man. I, I need more of this in my life. You know, I love all this moody, dark stuff, you know, especially when it stretches the characters in positive ways. It's very fun. It's it's a fun space to be in as a storyteller and a creator. So I think that's why you see a lot of particularly good work in this side of things. Couldn't ask for more. So it's very exciting that we get Midnight Suns in this game now. They came a lot sooner than I would even think, Chris. So, And I say it every week. It's an exciting time to be a Marvel fan and a Marvel Christ Protocol fan. But until next time, thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 